this week we want to look at the book of Matthew as we, which is speaking into the whole Christmas context, because Christmas is a time of the year that captures the minds of people who worship Jesus and people who don't worship Jesus. And um, this morning we're going to look at a passage of scripture of a group of people who did not worship Jesus, but came to worship King Jesus. And I always love that. At our church, we just love having visitors to come, but we also love having people to come who have not encountered Jesus because we just see that the heart's desire of God is to reveal Jesus to people. And we see that one of the key thoughts of the Christmas season is Jesus being revealed to people who never knew him before. And I have faith year in and year out over the Christmas period for Jesus to be revealed to people. Um, because yet it is almost like I remember 30 years ago, um, just over that when Jenny and I met each other. And when I met Jen, you know, those beautiful, I can say this because she's with the junior youth, so please don't tell her I said this. Normally, her friends split on me. If I say anything about Jane after the service, they tell her. So please don't tell her anything on you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I remember when I met Jane before we got married, you know, and, and when I looked into those piercing blue eyes of Jane, you know, my heart just melted and my legs got a little bit weak. It still does. And um, I wanted to tell the world about her because I had found this incredible treasure that is still my treasure today. And as I saw her, um, I, I introduced her to my parents. And after I introduced her to my parents, I just wanted my friends worldwide to get to know who this girl is that's going to become my wife. And when she became my wife, I'm so proud to talk about her. And even today, my heart overflows when I talk about my beautiful wife. And my friends, I think the Christmas period is similar where we can make even a greater effort to tell the world about this treasure that we found. And this treasure is Jesus. He is worthwhile to be talked about. Would you agree? You know, he's, he's worthwhile not only to be talked about, but he's so worthwhile to introduce people to him and to say, here he is. And we see some of this happening in Matthew chapter 2. And so I'd love for you just to have a look at this story with me today. Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1 to 12. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn to that passage. Matthew chapter 2. And this is what the scripture says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king? Of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose 
and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophets has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd to my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and, this, and the star um, they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Isn't that wonderful? You know, and, and, and just paused at this place. They were overjoyed. It's, it's the, the, the emotion invoked from us when we find ourselves in a place like that. Verse 11 says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country, but by another way. The story begins by telling us that Magi came to Jerusalem, looking for the child who was to be born king. Of the Jews. They begin this journey, in other words, by going to the wrong place. It's the logical place to go to, which is Jerusalem, as you know. Where else would the king of the Jews be born? But it was the wrong place. Even at his birth, my friends, Jesus is showing us that he will be a very different kind of king from what the people were used to. And so we see here that it is worth to remember that even though their motives were good to go to Jerusalem, they went to the wrong place. And it took the scribes to go back into the prophecies to find out actually where the baby was going to be born. And the prophetic scripture said it would be in Bethlehem, not quite the place that everybody thought Jesus would be born at. And um, I just love it when God comes and he um, just overwhelms us and he proves us wrong in our perceptions of who he is. And during Christmas, you'll find out that we have views about Christmas that's not quite biblical. You'll also see here that the Magi were not Jews. They were Gentiles. 
And it wasn't the Jewish people who were looking for him, but it was the Gentiles who were looking for him. Prophetic in the sense that the gospel would be open to people of all nationalities. Aren't you glad about that? That's the beautiful picture here. So we see here that the Magi came. Now, of course, we assume that there were how many Magi? But probably not. Probably not. As a matter of fact, they oftentimes, uh, Magi, uh, um, traveled in groups. Yeah, we think because of gold, frankincense, and myrrh that there were three of them, but there were probably more. They brought the precious together, and they presented it unto him. So when you see the three, why, you may just add another three to it. And, 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 and so it's just so good just to look at the Christmas story and to realize it is even more wonderful than what we think it is. Impactful. But in many senses, as I said last week, it was quite brutal because the king of kings was born in a stable, not in a palace. The king of kings was wrapped in swaddling clothes, not in silk. You know, he just blows the mind of people. You know, he, he, he wasn't lifted up in a chariot. He was actually carried, and they actually had to hide, and they had to flee for his life. Completely different. This king would become the king, not only of the Jews, but as the Magi points to us, they're the king of the whole world. They leave Jerusalem, the Magi, and follow the star once again to Bethlehem, where they find Jesus with his mother Mary. And immediately they kneel down and they worship him. They pay homage to him. They have come all this way for one reason and for one reason only, to worship the newborn king of the Jews that would become the newborn king of the whole world. My friends, I want to talk this morning about worship that is fit for a king. And my friends, although we talk about worship when we come together, when we sing songs together, when we hear the word of God, when we pray together, and we know that that's a very special type of of worship, but worship is actually something that fills our whole lives every moment of the day. David even says when he goes to bed, he worships God. When he goes to sleep, he worships God. You know, and so we know that the word worship is actually who we are and how we live our lives, not only once a week when we come together here, but our lives is an act of worship to our God. But what type of worship is fit for a king? And there's just a couple of truths that I would like to highlight for us here about the type of worship that is fit for a king. You'll see in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. My friends, kingly worship is a call 
for all to come. That's the type of worship that is fit for a king. And that's why when you look at that sign on my right-hand side, your left, it says, all nations you've made will come and praise your holy name. God didn't only come for the Jewish people, although he loves them deeply. He came for the whole world. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, how many are whosoever? Just South Africans? <laughs> Definitely not, although we need him probably most. But whosoever should believe in him should not perish, should not die, but should have eternal life. My friends, this is the type of message that brings such homage and worship to the king of kings. One of the big themes within the New Testament as the New Testament writers write, and particularly in the book of Ephesians and in the book of Colossians, um, we see that um, Paul writes, and he makes this point very clear, that, uh, that salvation is not only for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles also. We see that Paul says that he, he's got to preach the gospel first to the Jews. And so we see in the book of Acts that he goes and he preaches the gospel to the Jews. And they resisted him and resisted him and resisted him. And he said, now I'm going to the Gentiles and I'll preach the gospel. He didn't neglect the Jews, but he didn't. He put a comma behind the sentence when he couldn't break through. He says, now I feel at liberty to go to the Gentiles as well, and the gospel was preached, and there's a word mystery in Paul's letters, and the word mystery refers to the fact that the Jewish people's eyes eventually opened up through the power of the gospel, that salvation would also come to the Gentiles. That was a big issue, it's not a big issue for us today, because we know the truth, but in that day, it was such a massive issue, and Paul is saying, you know, this is the mystery that needs to be unveiled. The mystery is that the gospel is for whosoever would believe. And my friends, we take a strong stand on that. It is whosoever would hear about this incredible God who loved us so much that he would send his only son, Jesus in the form of a little baby, to be clothed with humanity and to live amongst sinful mankind. This king, that he would limit himself by putting on flesh. God so loved us that he sent his only son to the world and that he, over a period of 33 years, would walk amongst us he would feel the hurts of the people. He would understand the limitations of the people. And eventually, the sorrow, the disappointments, and the burden of sin that people carried, which Jesus saw, he said, willingly, I will take all of that upon myself and be nailed to a cross 
so that disappointment, so that guilt, sorrow, and shame, and sinfulness wouldn't be that thing that people would have to live under for the rest of their life and all eternity. And he took all of that upon himself, and Jesus was nailed to the cross. He died. And my friends, the most beautiful thing is when he died, he affected everything, mankind, he affected the world that we know in, because the Bible says that, that even the curtain that hung in the temple that was the width of a man's hand was torn in two, symbolizing that now, through Jesus, every single person, after looking at Jesus, can step into the very throne room of God and worship him. You don't need a priest you don't need a pastor to confess your sins to you. You just bring it before Jesus. Isn't that wonderful news? My friends, that is that little baby that is pictured in front of us today and during this month. It's that little baby who grew up, who took all of that upon himself. My friends, when I sin sometimes, I'm not overwhelmed by the grief of my sin. I'm sad that I could be foolish and stupid enough to sin. But I'm not overwhelmed by the grief of it because Jesus took that on the cross for me. Amen. Amen. That's the message of Christmas. Because without Christmas, without Jesus being born of the Virgin Mary, without him um, carrying the Adamic nature upon himself, if he was born like a normal person, who, he would not be sin, sinless. That, that baby took the curse of sin upon himself for you and I so that we can sit here today and not fear eternal death, not fear that God looks upon us and he drops his head. Have you ever, when your children do something that you don't like doing, or your spouse or a friend, you stand there and then your head drops? Oh no, is he going to say that or is my child going to do this? What is my child going to say now? And you just drop your head when it happens. My friends, God doesn't drop his head at us. My friends, he lifts up his head at us, even when we sin, because he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. He's the glory and the lifter of our heads, the psalmist says. My friends, that is good news. Kingly worship is a call for all to come. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you have done. It doesn't matter whose family you were born into, whether it's kingly or not. Worship that is fit for a king is a call for every single one to come. There's a wonderful scripture that's not on the screen that I'd like to read to you. It's one of my all-time favorite scriptures when it speaks about for all to come and to worship, every single one of us. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. 
Your young men will see dreams. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And listen to this again. And everyone or anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. My friends, kingly worship is a call for all to come. And that means it includes you. It includes you. That's the good news of Christmas. The Magi, according to the law, was locked out of this type of worship. This type of worship that came to the king of the Jews. They were supposed to not to have come. But it's a prophetic picture of what God wills that's come into action. It's for even for us that we would come and we would worship that king. Never marginalize any person. God can, well, let's just be honest. If God can reach me, he can reach anyone. Amen? Amen. And so we don't marginalize anyone. The gospel is for all of us. And that type of worship, God just absolutely loves. Kingly worship is countercultural. It is about him. And not all about us. That's one of the points I like most in this passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 2 verses 10 to 11 says, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Our culture seems to emphasize the me word more than ever before. It's, it's, it's like everything is about me. Um, it is my hurts. It is my offense. It is my disappointments. Um, unless you do good to me, I'm not going to do good to you. It is my rights. Everything is me, me, me. It is my pleasure. It is my adventure. It is what I've earned. That's the culture that we live in. However, kingly worship is countercultural. It's not all about us, my friends. It is about him. And just the words of the songs that we sing, we've got to make sure that it just doesn't just reflect upon our need. But first and foremost, our worship is about Him. Do you agree? Otherwise, we can get sucked in about my disappointments, about me, 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 me. And the devil is just so glad when it's all about us. But the moment when our worship lifts up our eyes to the king, 
my friends, there's some things that happen. And, and I want to encourage us as we go into 2024, that when we come together corporately like that, that we come together first and foremost to worship him. He be our worship, the focus of our worship, the attention of our worship. Our songs reflect that. And my friend, the gracious and the generous nature of our God is that when we come to him, it's amazing, he turns the spotlight upon our need. Isn't he wonderful? And yes, he wants to draw us closer to him. He does come and he wraps himself around our need, our disappointment, our sinfulness. He does. But our intention, worship that is fit for a king, it's about him. It's about him. Not just about us. You will see how the Magi represents Jesus to us. Now remember, they had limited revelation about him. They followed the star, but the star wasn't enough. They were wise men, but they were not wise enough. They went to the wrong city. My friends, wisdom cannot save us. Our own intellect cannot save us. The wise men couldn't. They had to inquire, where is this king? And the prophets, through the scriptures, pointed them in the right direction. My friends, we see here, when we look at the Magi, they teach us something about what real worship is. When they found the child in Bethlehem with Mary. It said that they worshipped him. I love that. Oh, that is just so beautiful. It doesn't tell us that they did a whole lot of other things. They just came to worship him. Something flowed out of their hearts when they saw Jesus. My friends, when we in worship encounter Jesus, there is something that just flows out of our hearts to worship him. There is a magnetic pull for all who know Jesus. When we see him in our worship, we want to bow down. We want to worship him. The word joy is there. There will be not only contemplative worship, but there will be joy. But the Magi came and they presented Jesus with gifts of Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And many of you have heard messages on this. There is a traditional explanation which seems quite reasonable to me. Gold, first of all, is a gift for a king in the traditional world. It was often used in temple worship and in sacrifices. That was their understanding. They said, we've got to bring something to the king. So they brought their gold to him and laid it before him. What do you and I bring in worship to God, our Father? Do you know what we bring? We don't have anything to bring, do we? Anything that's worth? The most beautiful thing is that we come to God the Father and we present Jesus to him again. That's the focus of our worship. <coughs> Father, we thank you and we worship you because of Jesus. Let worship always point us towards the finished work of the cross. And I add the finished work of the cross. We don't crucify Jesus anew and afresh by putting him on the cross. 
He's not on the cross anymore. Amen. Amen. We look at the finished work of the cross. And we say, Jesus, we come to our God and we present him before. Of course we bring our lives. Of course we bring our hearts. Of course we bring our gifts. That's a natural response. But my friends, worship that is fit for our God is when we do it and we remember what he did for us on a cross. When we come to the temple, we see that gold was oftentimes brought. Secondly, frankincense is a gift appropriate for a priest. It was often used in temple worship and sacrifices. And so uh, we see that um, frankincense was just um, spread out. It, 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 it smelled great. It, 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 it was one that was brought uh, for a priest. And we know that Jesus is a high priest. But then also myrrh, myrrh turns out to be a prophetic gift. It reminds us that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Myrrh was used in ancient times to prepare the dead for burial. And it was used of Jesus at his death. So it was a wonderful prophetic picture when the Magi brought these gifts to Jesus of what was going to happen. 33 years later, Muir reminded us that Jesus would die for the world and for their sins. My friends, kingly worship is countercultural. It's about him and it's not about us. Can I encourage us over this Christmas period when we are overwhelmed by the lights, by the gifts, by the food? Let's step back. And let's understand that it's not all about us. It's about him. And when it's about him, it becomes about others. It's just the way Jesus works. It becomes about others. And then Matthew chapter 2 verse 12 says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And if you remember in verses 7 and 8, it says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. Of course, his intentions were not honorable at all, Herod. And so we see here, that these magi, when they encountered Jesus, something happened to their lives. My friends, there is not a person who encounters Jesus that is not changed and transformed. Something happens when we encounter. I want you to think back to the day, or maybe the period in time, when you encounter Jesus. If you were a small child like me and you grew up with a Christian mom, I knew God's presence since I was very, very small. But there were stages within my life when I encountered Jesus. And when I encountered him, my life was radically changed. My friends, I don't know if you've ever encountered Jesus. And you say, Piet, how do I encounter him? I'm not changed. 
I want you to seek out as the Magi did. The one, yes, who was born in a manger. But you need to go 33 years later and seek out the one who died on the cross for your sins. The one who was buried and the one who rose from the dead victoriously. He's the one and the only one who can give you life everlasting. My friends, worship that is fit for a king. Thirdly, kingly worship, my friends, will transform you. Kingly worship will transform you. It is our desire whenever people come together here that we would worship the king. And when we worship the king, God will transform us. It is our desire that when you read the Bible during the week and you pray that you would encounter the king and what will happen? Your life will be transformed. My friends, anyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus says life will be transformed when we encounter Jesus. I trust this morning as we sang together, I trust as you listen to the word of God today that you would encounter Jesus. And that you would leave here transformed. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. They were transformed. They didn't go back to, the, to King Herod to tell him where they... No, they were transformed. They heard what was happening. The angel sent them another way. They were transformed. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. My desire for 2024 is that as people gather together here amongst us, firstly, that all would come. Because that is worship fit for a king. Our desire for 2024 is this, that our worship would be countercultural. That it wouldn't be all about me. It would be about him. And then about others. Let worship change us in that way. And thirdly, I trust for 2024 that the type of worship that we engage in during the week and here on a Sunday will be the type of worship that will transform us from one level of glory to the next. Do you know genuinely within my heart, do you know what I desire for 2024? Is that Jesus would continue to transform me and to change me. That's my desire because that to me is a sacrifice worthy of giving to him. It's one of a change. I can't give him much because I can't change myself. I must allow him to change me. And then things happen.